Welcome to On Manorama Movie Podcast Start Action Cut. Today we are discussing the movie Oppenheimer directed by Christopher Nolan and starring Killian Murphy in the lead. And we have uh, Ayyappan and Swati joining us. Now the movie is a is a wave across the world and I feel that the cool visuals that are soothing to the eye and uh, thereby the senses is the prime factor in the movie. and it has all the merits of being shot in film which was specially made for uh, shooting this film the magical effect is felt by the way the movie lifts you off the ground and hurls directly into the middle of the drama and you stay there for uh, the whole of 180 minutes of the IMAX short epic so what do you think uh, how how was the experience for you ayyappan pratumar Oppenheimer is is not your your conventional spectacle. For me I never thought it was a conventional visual spectacle like for instance Interstellar was. Uh of course there there is this barren uh, New Mexico landscape where where the Los Alamos laboratory is situated and then the detonation of the atom bomb. I mean that is a spectacle of course one of the biggest spectacles that we have seen on on 70 mm. But otherwise it's it's like a chamber drama it's a courtroom courtroom drama. everything happens inside a room it's it's interpersonal it's very personal it's i thought it was a very personal film but then still the effect was grand perhaps because as you said he used film for the purpose and and, and the tone of the tonality all of it looked very intense and very personal so in that way it was a different kind of a visual spectacle it was very personal and intense and and he could create the colors and the mood and the ambience that would fit in with his vision Now uh, how was it for you Swati Oppenheimer for me I think I would say it was really a great movie I wouldn't say that it was one of Nolan's greatest movies I wouldn't say that because we have movies like Interstellar we have Inception Oppenheimer was uh, since it's an uh, biopic it delivered it absolutely delivered it I would say it lived up to the expectations but again like I even said it felt like a courtroom drama apart from the trinity test I wouldn't say that there was nothing Uh, so visually great about it because uh, the rest of the scenes are like plainly it was heated discussions among the scientists but other than that for me as a biopic i would say it was really great now coming to the subject of the movie uh, it's based on the biography american prometheus the triumph and tragedy of j robert oppenheimer uh, it was published in 2005 and uh, it narrates the life of uh, robert oppenheimer an american theoretical physicist he was instrumental in developing the first atom bomb in the world by chronicling his life we also get to know the path of the genesis of nuclear weapon in redefining the world order of uh, power equations what do you think ayyappan regarding the subject uh, oppenheimer's is not a history that i have knowledge of except for the basics like he was the father of the atom bomb and that he was a scientific head of the Los Alamos laboratory where the Manhattan project was based so for someone like me the film offered a glut of new information right from the word go the film basically is three strands that's what i understand one the events leading to the trinity test or the first detonation of the atom bomb two the the tribunal hearing that grills oppenheimer about his communist connections and uh, that would eventually strip him of his national security clearance and three 
a Senate hearing which revolves around a Louis Strauss, the former shoe salesman, and in the film, the chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission, whose ambition to create the super bomb, the hydrogen bomb, and his desire to export radioactive materials like isotopes is swatted aside by Oppenheimer. I have at least a vague idea of the first two strands, which is the Trinity test and his communist connections and Oppenheimer's communist connections. But straws, I've never heard of until I saw Nolan's Oppenheimer. So these three strands happen in different points of time also. So, so time is all jumbled up in Oppenheimer. The structure is non-linear. And there is this frenetic back and forth, crisscross between time zones. But the beauty is that Nolan takes these three threads and like someone with skillful dexterous hands, braids them into a single intricately patterned work of art. And, 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 and there are certain interesting creative choices that he makes to illuminate big themes like the huge high Oppenheimer gets while making the bomb and the conscience prick or the, or the emotional hangover he develops after the Trinity test. We might differ about the effectiveness of these choices, but they were without doubt interesting and inventive. Yes. What do you say, Swati? Yeah, so Oppenheimer's theme or subject, like we all know, is basically about the life of Jerome Oppenheimer and the events that led to the creation of an atom bomb. In the movie, the main event is the bomb testing scene in New Mexico. And uh, the subject of Oppenheimer, I think, was very delicate when Nolan had to deal with it with extreme detailings or precision, I would say, because it's a thin line between, uh, you know, not going too far to that side or not going too far to this side because the aftermath of the bomb like the bomb was like really catastrophic so i guess that was that was one of the reason why he didn't go to that uh, like the dropping of the bombs in hiroshima and nagasaki and he just stuck on to the testing scene so uh, in that way i guess he did try to play with the theme in a very careful way and, it, and to a extent i would say that he brilliantly captured it but there is a sort of moral dilemma that comes to us also as audience like because in, in a certain way, uh, we feel like there's certain heroism that is, you know, being shown to this character. Whereas he was a person with, uh, as far as I read, he's a person who stays in the grey. He was not a very morally right person. He was not a very person who would say, I would say like Einstein or something. He was just a very a normal person who had a lot of flaws in him. And that I thought, thought was a little bit missing from Killian Murphy's character. Of course, the way he played, played it was brilliant. But I just felt this point was, you know, a little bit standing forward. Yeah. I do think that Killian Murphy, who stars as uh, Oppenheimer, might not exact the real scientist in looks and demeanor. But I think uh, he re resembles quite a lot in his attitude. And also Emily Blunt as uh, Oppenheimer's wife, Catherine Kitty, perfects the enigmatic nature of the, the intriguing character. What do you think about the performance, Ayupan. Padmumar, it was uh, Killian Murphy's eyes that stood out for me. It is, it, is, it is thrown wide open like a newborn's, as if eternally witnessing the first ever detonation of the atom bomb and never getting over the wonder of it. Those eyes of Murphy seem to be the only proof that the man has a million demented thoughts running inside him. Otherwise, he's unhurried and calm, and has the fatigued look of a sleep-deprived, undernourished man. But then uh, he also plays with his eyes. I mean, if you, can, if you can notice, during the tribunal grilling, when Oppenheimer is at least a decade older, the eyes no more packs that blindingly bright wattage. 
I like the way Killian Murphy plays with the invisible brightness control of his of his pale blue eyes. But it was Robert Downey Jr. who was a surprise for me as he was playing Louis Strauss. Uh, it took some time for me to realize that it was the Iron Man. And in this, uh, in fact, Robert Downey Jr. was the exact antithesis of the Iron Man. He's a weak old man with an unstable walk, as though he suffered from some bone deformity. For me, the biggest letdown was Matt Damon. I don't think it was exactly his fault, but I think he was written poorly because he was playing Leslie Groves, the man who was heading the heading the the Manhattan Project. Had it not been for him, the atom bomb would not have been made. But he is made to look like a sidekick. I mean, that has been a major problem for me about this film. But I think as a character, he was at his best, Matt Damon. No, I, I would, I would, I would beg to differ because he doesn't carry the gravitas that is required of a top military man. I, I loved him in the film Air, where he's playing a talent scout for Nike, who who scouts the young. Michael Jordan, but in here, I mean, he still has that boyish thing. I mean, doesn't have that command in his face. Okay, what do you think, uh, Swati, and also about the other characters in the film? So, because it it was an uh, it is a biopic on uh, Oppenheimer, of course, I felt like Lane Murphy was indeed the anchor that held the movie together. But uh, I felt like at the same time, these other actors like Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh. And Matt Damon, they all had to give all the best performances. I I wouldn't say that Matt Damon. I liked the performance of Matt Damon because I've seen his other movies like in Martian. Also, I felt like this was a completely different different performance that he put forward. So I would say that I found his performance, yeah, like okay. And it was me for me. It was the uh, performance like the complimentary performance like coming from Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh that I felt like sort of uh, gave the. performance of Killian Murphy a little bit more push because if it had not been for them i don't feel like there would have been the kind of emotional depth that his performance required would have been really pulled off in that way that nolan wanted in most of nolan's like in a few uh, not most but a few of nolan's movies there are these strong female characters who are going through this deep emotional uh, process or trauma that adds some kind of a depth to the main story and i think that was also he has borrowed the same tactic in openheimer as well other than that of course the great robert downey jr playing louis strauss i think it was great to see him like i even said to to have seen him as iron man and then to see him like this it was great to that physical transformation how like how easily has he put forward this role his emotions everything i it was brilliant absolutely brilliant padmumar i i would like to add a bit about Florence Pugh because i thought uh, nolan wanted the jean tatlo character that she played to embody communism itself she she's a, she's a troubled personality americans too thought of communism as a troubled ideology oppenheimer is fascinated by her like he's fascinated by the communist ideology but but he doesn't marry her he even refuses to share his secrets with her when he asks her something he, he tells her that i can't tell you and when she asks why not he says because you are a communist so this sort of a tempestuous relationship this sort of a love hate relationship or a distance that these lovers keep is also highlights also embodies the relationship that oppenheimer had with communism okay and one more thing i would like to add to this uh, is that there are a certain opinion regarding this film that 
Oppenheimer in this film is being glorified. But I don't think that he was glorified. Uh, whatever was shown was uh, uh, was just as he was. What What's your opinion, Swati and Ayyappan? I think to an extent, what you said is right, Patmumar, because he, uh, Nolan, I don't think he's, he's made a conscious effort to sort of put Oppenheimer in glory. But there was sense of heroism to his character because we feel for him. We want his attempts to win. Uh, but I don't think if you take out the uh, take out the cinematic factor from this movie, there is nothing to, I don't think there's anything to celebrate about this because this is an event that caused the death of millions of people. And when Oppenheimer is like, if his attempts are winning or the, when the bomb detonation goes off as they want it, the, see the background score, the music that plays along, it's a sort of music that you put forward when or play that shows victory or or happiness or whatever, like not happiness precisely, but some kind of elation. So I felt like there was a sense of heroism that he gave, or Nolan gave to Oppenheimer. But at the same time, he's tried to show, show Clint's character in some gray area as well. He's a flawed person. He's dealing with his personal life. He's dealing with whatever politics that's happening inside the team and also all sorts of those things that is shown that is shown in like the uh, normal way but i wouldn't say that he is shown exactly as how he was or how the real oppenheimer was on my part i don't know whether he was glorified but i had a sense that he was mostly shown as the victim of the mccarthy era blacklisted and hunted down for his supposed links to the communists he is never really shown as the man who made the bomb to end all wars and very soon realized the folly of it so I thought that aspect of him was not examined, critically examined in this film. Oppenheimer initially is not the least bit apologetic about the Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Nagasaki bombings. There, there is a scene where he addresses his Los Alamos team after the bombing. Hundreds are burned down to death in Japan, but he gloats. World will remember this day. That's what he says to lusty cheers. And then he says that it's too soon to determine what the results of the bombing are. And then, after a pause, and with something like a playful wing, he rushes with his punchline. But I bet the Japanese didn't like it. His audience is in raptures. When it is silent again, he adds, I'm so proud of what you people have accomplished. I just wish we had it, we had it in time to use it against the Germans. Then, something happens. A massive brightness lights up the place. Just like when the first atomic bomb was detonated. And then we see traumatized faces, skin peeling from these faces. We start hearing screams, people crying, people feeling sick, vomiting. Now tragedy replaces triumph. But that's all. That's the only time in the film we get a glimpse, too symbolic a glimpse of what, what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Perhaps Nolan was trying to show within these two or three minutes how Oppenheimer went from being a cocky physicist to an emotional wreck. Again, that's all. We're not shown the internal conflicts that he suffered and how he wrestled with them. I found this creative device which compresses to some two or three minutes the burden of guilt that, that the man carried upon him after the World War more suited to modern theatre than cinema. Yeah. And if we talk about the uh, some of the brilliant moments, apart from the visual treat throughout the film, the explosion, mainly how the light is in first and then the sound reaches. That was, those were some of the brilliant moments for me. What about you, Ayyappan? To be honest, I mean, the the uh, explosion scene was not something that 
I was particularly interested in because I mean the explosion scene, the real explosion scene, is something that we had been seeing from school days. We had we had seen uh, visual uh, the video of that explosion even before, and and the video that you still have on YouTube, and there isn't doesn't have a sound. I mean, just the way Nolan actually, even though it's black and white, I mean, it's just the way Nolan also treated the explosion. There is no sound when the explosion happens. There is no sound. It it comes in later on, which is effective. But for me, I like the way he connected seemingly unconnected scenes. Take, for instance, the bedroom scene with his lover, Gene Tatlock, before the Trinity, Trinity test happens. And then his meeting with President Harry Truman after the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. For me, the strains of Bhagavad Gita runs through both these scenes. While it is evident in one scene, it is masked in the other. I think Nolan used the sex scene as a creative device to show how much Oppenheimer was seduced by the prospect of making the atom bomb. It is in the midst of the act that his lover, Jean Tatlock, gets up from the bed, picks up the Bhagavad Gita from the shelf, and pulls it open in front of her. Oppenheimer is on the bed, naked, looking at his lover. She, she asks him to read the lines. He reads not the Sanskrit original, but a loose translation. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The book actually covers a chest. I think I think Nolan was trying to say that Oppenheimer found the idea of becoming the Almighty, the destroyer of worlds, as seductive as the breasts of his lover. There are there are in fact many moments in the film where it is clear that Oppenheimer was fascinated by the power of the bomb. One is when the Danish physicist Niels Bohr, by then a Nobel winner, visits Oppenheimer at the Los Alamos laboratory. Bohr, in a very ominous tone, tells Oppenheimer that he came to talk about the after. He says the power you're about to reveal with forever, will forever outlive the Nazis and the world is not prepared. When he replies, Oppenheimer does it in a manner that suggests that he's not ready to face the truth because all the while he's talking, he's trying hard to avoid eye contact with Bohr. He says, we could lift the stone without being ready for the snake that's revealed. I love this line. We could lift the stone without being ready for the snake that's revealed. Had Oppenheimer been less literary, he would have said, we would bomb first and face the consequences later. So he was clearly enchanted by the power of the bomb. But later, Oppenheimer was battered by guilt. But even this remorse is of a man who belonged to the sky and not the earth. It, it, it was the remorse of the wounded almighty, of the wounded God. He has convinced himself that he is the God, the destroyer of worlds. It is then that we come to the next scene where he gets a true lesson in Bhagavad Gita. Even if the verses of the Gita are not overtly invoked in this piece, in this event, in this scene. In the bedroom with his lover, Oppenheimer had read the Gita wrong. He thought himself to be the destroyer of worlds. Now it was left to the president of the United States of America to tell him what the Gita actually meant by the phrase, the destroyer of worlds. When he meets Truman after the Nagasaki and Hiroshima bombings, Oppenheimer looks as conflicted as a Shakespearean tragic hero. It is with great intensity that he tells the president that he has blood on his hands. Truman meets this grave confession with utter disdain. You think anyone in Nagasaki and Hiroshima gives a shit who built the bomb? He asks him. They care who dropped it. I did. Hiroshima isn't about you, Truman says. Oppenheimer is shown his place. Here, the American president takes on the god form. He becomes Vishnu, the lord of the lords, and tells Oppenheimer, the Arjuna, in the bluntest possible manner, who the hell are you? I am the one who makes things happen, 
and you are just a tool so stop whining and get lost oppenheimer i thought could not have found a better teacher to hammer into him the wisdom of the gita i loved the way nolan creates a scene a bedroom scene and makes the payoff much later inside the room of the president of the united states swati what was your highlight moments in the film patnumar for me the greatest scene was definitely the trinity test i'll tell you why because nolan as we all know is not a fan of cgi and i wanted to see how he's going to pull off that scene like you have to have this massive mushroom cloud pop up from the ground and how is he going to pull off that and because nobody i i don't think a lot of people were really looking forward to see who oppenheimer was because of the hype they really wanted to see how the events unfolded to the bombing and uh, i think nolan was very successfully managed to build an anticipation up until the bomb goes off and it is welcomed by silence like i have been said i was expecting some kind of dramatic background score when the scene was uh, coming i was expecting some kind of wild noise or very loud noise but there was nothing there was silence and then there was a thunder and then boom i found it extremely nice to see on screen i think that was the most uh, like the highlight of the movie for me because it all went like in a sequence for me like first silence then the thunder and then then the fact that this is success the fact that this was absolutely this is going to change the world is hitting the scientists it is hitting everyone and another thing that i would like to mention is how he has used the black and white imagery uh, in his movies like in in probably in, i think in momento he has also used black and white images to show uh, time and in oppenheimer the black and white uh, scenes especially the scenes where robert downey junior comes it shows perspective it's subjective it's not like this has happened in the past it's it's perspective it shows what his perspective was and not like you know this has happened in the past it's not like how it is maintained in the movie so those two scenes or those two parts are the i wouldn't say the scene those two parts was simply like uh, mind blowing for me now i would also like to uh, point out some drawbacks in the film which i felt are a bit a shortcoming in the movie like the random shots of starlit sky uh, was i uh, was there i don't know what was the purpose uh, and also the bombardment of atoms are just simply ordinary visuals that we that any computer graphics can produce since it's nolan and it was uh, being made in such a grand scale those atomic uh, i mean energy levels and all those uh, bombardment of protons by neutrons and all such things all those scientific elements could have been uh, portrayed in a better way and also uh, the scene which ayappan narrated i mean about the bed scene there i found that was not bit natural because Jean, in the middle of the scene, she just goes away to the rack and uh, searches for the book, and then brings it back and opens the very particular page that he was supposed to read. So that was uh, something that I found it was artificial. I think Nolan might be opting to stay close to the book, but I think some some more reference to the ultimate event uh, that was uh, about to happen in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, as Ayupan said. some more reference or visuals could have been added and what do you think swati so uh, i felt just one drawback I, i don't know if you could call it drawback but i felt it and after mo- watching the movie some of my friends told me the same thing so if a person who is not familiar with who openheimer was or what is the manhattan project or the happenings that are shown in the movie it's extremely difficult for them to catch up like 
I've heard people say they didn't understand quite they didn't quite understand what was happening in the initial half of the movie because there were a lot of characters, there were a lot of uh, cameo appearances, lot of th- lots of things going on, and they couldn't make sense of it. And I think to an extent, it's true. If you have, I read about the whole thing before watching the movie, so I had an idea. But for a normal person who have no idea about it, I don't think they would have understood much of the movie. So that's the only thing that I felt which can be seen as a drawback. So uh, the grand visuals and the gripping narrative makes the film an absorbing uh, cinematic experience, of course. Now that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening to Start Action Cut, hosted by me, Patmogumar. The podcast is produced by Patmogumar. That's myself, with the technical production by Idea Brew Studios. Follow on Manorama dot com for more podcasts on movies, and be sure to come back for the next episode of Start Action Cut. out on mondays thank you